Kagan, and you're listening to the Voice of Insurance podcast, produced in association with Advantage Go, enabling enterprise-scale underwriting through a single pane of glass. Today's guest is someone you might not know, but I think he's someone you should definitely listen to. That's because Killian McDermott, co-founder and executive partner of Pop Holdings, is someone who is quietly innovating and applying technology and the analysis of data to the business of underwriting. Killian is an insurance professional with a long pedigree, and so doesn't come from the school of insurance disruptors. Indeed, he believes that successful insurers have been married to the smart analysis of data since time immemorial, and that the term insurtech will eventually have to be retired. He's an insurance person whose career would be typical of many in his peer group, and recognisable to all of us, but who has learnt to focus on the technology side of the business, not the other way around. What's also fascinating is that in a world where so much tech innovation is going on in personal lines, where numbers are large and premiums are very low, his focus is on applying data ingestion and analysis, artificial intelligence and machine learning, digitization and automation to highly specialist classes of business, such as M&A insurance and financial lines. The firm's ambition is also substantial. Fusion Specialty Insurance and IO Insure are the group's main operating businesses, with licenses in many major insurance jurisdictions globally and Killian is targeting a billion dollars of gross written premium within five years. So if you want to hear from someone who, instead of talking about innovation and insurtech, is quietly getting on with making it all a reality, I highly recommend you listen on. Enjoy the podcast. Killian, welcome to The Voice of Insurance. Thanks, Mark. Pleasure to be here. You're probably tired of doing this. You're doing it all the time when you're talking to investors and people in the market because you're a relative newcomer with Pop Holdings. Why don't you give us the grand tour of of Pop Holdings and and your business? Pop Holdings is, as the name suggests, our holding company. It's headquartered in Australia. It's set up to invest in MGAs as well as uh, data and technology companies in the insurer tech and what we call the M&A tech space. To date, we've invested in Fusion Specialty Insurance, which is now a global network of M&A MGAs. We also have Financial Lines MGAs in uh, the APAC region. We also have io.insure. That's the second investment that we've made. io.insure is a insurance online platform for SME insurance. The holding company and these operating companies were set up by David Rogers and myself. So we're the co-founders of the group, set it up four and a half years ago. And we think it's a pretty simple business model. It's about combining underwriting expertise with partnership distribution and enabling both by way of data and technology capabilities. So are you in short tech in some way? Yes, absolutely. But we think it's a pretty good combination of traditional expert insurance people, people who have been brought up in large insurance companies uh, such as Chubb, Aviva, companies like that, AIG, a lot of experience in specialty insurance. So we bring that real expertise. We've been around the block. We know how the business works. And we combine that with data and technology enablement. And enablement is the key word for us because we, we think that's more important than disruption per se. There's a lot of talk in tech about disruption. Our, our focus is more on enabling the ecosystem of partners that include insurers, brokers, advisors, and the ultimate insurers themselves. Most of the disruptors are running out of money now, aren't they? Yeah, well, it's another, uh, we, we discussed this before, Mark, we, we think it's really important to run a good business. We've had a positive EBITDA every year since we started and we intend to continue as such. And then we reinvest our profits in building out our data and technology capability, as opposed to the opposite, more Palo Alto approach, which might be more about 
growing the top line. Tech enabling rather than a tech company in itself, you've got to have a means to an end that tech is a means to doing insurance better. I think the reality is that insurance is, is ultimately going to be all tech enabled, right? So the differentiation between insurance and insure tech will ultimately disappear. We're in a data and technology world and ultimately every insurance company is going to have highly efficient processes and workflows supported by data and technology. And I believe that's what we're in the business of here is enabling our partners to move past their legacy systems into a much more efficient way of providing insurance and providing a much better customer experience for the ultimate insurance. And what sort of scale have you got up to now in terms of GWP or the amount of staff you've got? Yeah, staff-wise, we're up to 70 people now. As I said earlier, it's a global business. So we started in Australia. We're licensed in Hong Kong and Singapore, also in Germany and the UK and across the US. We also have our technology team in Brazil and we have a customer success team in the US and uh, in Serbia. So this really is completely global. You're in every time zone in the world, pretty much. Yeah, and, and built during the wonderful years of COVID. It's what we would call a distributed model where everybody was working from home at the time. We were actually working from home before COVID. We were using Teams and Zoom before COVID and then it became mainstream. And during COVID, we built up our team throughout the world. And rather than taking a more cautious approach, we thought this was a good opportunity for us to build out our business and double down. And this sort of GWP, where's Fusion at at the moment? So over five years, like at the end of five years, we'd be expecting to have a billion dollars of premiums running through all of our operating companies, including Fusion and IO.Sure. And what's your story? How long have you been involved in insurance? And what gave you the idea to do POP? Well, I started my career in insurance in Johnson & Higgins. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, which I, I think we might have had a similar alma mater at some well, point. Well, we were part of the Unison Network yes, uh, globally, correct. and I was the Spanish part of the Spanish POP, yes, which was called yes, Carvajal. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I remember it very well. Had some good visits down to Madrid. Very good alumni there, you see. Yeah, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I mean, I still think it was the best insurance network that I've ever come across, and left its mark on me in terms of the importance of partnership. Because you remember at the time you were you were working with people from Grassavois, from Johnson and Higgins, Absolutely. from Jochen Hubner and Mason Zona and all the Unison partners. And although there wasn't a cross shareholding, it was as if we were one company the way everybody cooperated. And for me it was the essence of a good network. And that, that stays with me in terms of what we're doing with POP and IO.insure and Fusion. For us it is all about the partnership with, for example, our insurers providing capacity for fusion. We've got great relationships, great partnerships and support from global insurers like Allianz and Zurich and Markel. We've got global relationships with Ren Reef, with Chaucer, with Antares, and you know, also more local relationships with Ping An. We've got relationships with HDI Global Specialties. So very high quality companies that we partner with. The same thing with brokers. Obviously, distribution is key in our industry. We're enabling distribution by way of our data and technology capability as well. And the relationships we have with our brokers have stood the test of time over many years. All of our underwriters have great relationships with brokers, and we see the importance of our broker partners in the business model that we have. We, we also have great relationships with advisors in the M&A insurance space. Yeah. So everything we're doing is about those partnerships, the power of partnership. And personally speaking, I would have learned about that at the outset in my insurance career with that Unison network working for Johnson Higgins in Dublin in the captive management arena. With Fusion, you've got an M&A insurance specialism. Yeah. And IO, what's the specialism there? Or is there any particular specialism? And is there anything that you'd say more generalist ambitions? It's more specialist. So we focus on specialty lines. So M&A insurance and financial lines are our first two product lines. 
We also look at the ability to use data and technology to enable that business. So that's important to us as well. The key is, is obviously the expertise of the underwriters. So we're always looking for people with really good experience, with great relationships. Also partnership distribution, that's important to us as well. We can partner with advisors in order to provide a better customer experience. So with something like M&A, is that a big part of the distribution chain? Because obviously it's, yeah. it's the M&A advisor who's going to say, oh, by the way, did you know, yeah, it's you know the, you've got the reps and warranties yeah, product certainly. here? Yeah, the, the law firms and the accounting firms are a very important part of the value chain. They've got close relationships with the clients, as do the brokers. And really what we're doing with IO.insure is providing data and technology to support that, what we call a marketplace. And then Fusion provides paper and capacity and you know, underwriting expertise. Should we think of you as an incubator type business with pop holding sitting above and kind of investing in and enabling those group businesses? Is, is that the right sort of way of looking at it? I don't really see it as an incubator. It certainly is a platform that develops talent. So, you know, one of the meanings of pop is power of people and power of potential. So, you know, that's important, whether they're employees, the, the underwriters or the data and tech team or partners in terms of insurers or brokers or advisors or ultimate insurers. We're trying to help people to realize their potential by way of insurance, right? So we do see it as more of an enabler than an incubator per se. It's not like a VC incubator of potential talent. It's not as if you're growing all these things up and and then you're going to flog them off in year five or seven or whenever it is. A focus is not on exit. A focus is on actually executing on our strategy as best we can day to day. The rest will take care of itself over time. Time for an ad break. We'll get back to the podcast after this very brief message. So much has changed in the last few years, not least in Bolton Associates' world of recruiting actuaries and insurance. There is more and more need for actuaries and cap modellers. Demand is outstripping supply. But this is not the first time we've seen this. Bolton Associates has operated in this market for over 20 years. We know what attracts candidates to roles and what matters in this hybrid working world. We're having conversations with firms all needing actuaries, be they syndicates, MGAs, brokers, they need pricing actuaries, heads of capital, reserving specialists. Plus, the larger players looking at restructures are asking us to find group roles, such as CRO, chief actuary, and some CFOs. The actuarial skill set really does now reach all levels of the board. In 2022, several senior actuaries took the CEO role, with more to come in 2023. So watch this space. And this is where the Bolton Associates Network comes into play. We can build your actuarial function and also draw on our established network to find those actuaries who have skills not only with numbers, but with leadership, people and specific insurance knowledge. 2023 has many exciting events for Bolton Associates coming up, keeping the market linked up, engaged and hopefully having a bit of fun. We're good at what we do because we enjoy what we do. So if you want us to find your elusive actuary, fresh new juniors or hear which firms are looking after their staff, then do get in touch. We're on Lime Street, so we're pretty easy to find, unlike that reinsurance pricing actuary you're currently struggling to hire. Let's speak soon. Get in touch at bolton-associates.co.uk. When you talk about tech-enabling things, and these days everyone's talking about marrying data and insurance and and other things, and what do you really mean by it? Is it about automating? Yeah, I mean, the first point is I think insurance is already very data-rich. Yeah. So it's already in existence. Insurers also have high quality actuaries who are pretty bright people who analyze risk and analyze data very well as it stands, right? So it already has a foundation in data. The challenge has been how to use that data more effectively, how to analyze that data more effectively. 
And in order to do so, uh, it needs to be structured better. And there are now technologies that can be used to analyze that data more effectively than traditionally would have been done by actuaries. So I, first of all, I think that it's not really about marrying insurance and data because they're already married. Yeah. The expertise already exists. I think it's really about enhancing and enabling that expertise by way of technology platforms and by way of data science. So I, I would see data scientists and actuaries as sharing the same DNA. And for us, it's about putting that expertise together. Again, it's about human expertise combined with the technology enablement in order to use that to create insights which provide better decision making in terms of marketing, distribution, underwriting, risk assessment and pricing. So all of the capabilities are now in existence. It's really about putting them together properly. So gathering data in a structured manner, having a mix of human expertise in terms of data scientists and actuaries coming together, using technology platforms in order to analyze that data better, and then to provide insights into the various protagonists in the ecosystem, including insurers, brokers, advisors, and ultimate clients. So you're trying to get yourself a proprietary advantage there to say, we boil down this data much better and we get to the point where we can really distill that down to a rep and warranty risk, for example. The data can be used right across the workflow, right? So it can be used to automate the workflow more. It can be used by the underwriters in the underwriting tool in the platform in order to make better and quicker underwriting decisions. So the data can be used and AI can be used, machine learning can be used right across the A to Z of the workflow and M&A insurance and in financial lines insurance and other specialty lines as well. There are a lot of insure techs who are doing AI businesses. They've got good technologies. They're also doing it on a more horizontal basis and trying to apply those technologies to various products and lines of business and opportunities. In our case, we're focused sticking to our knitting. We do M&A insurance, we do financial lines. We've built our platforms more vertically than horizontally using the expertise that we have in those products. And the same applies to then data analytics and data intelligence. Is it really about focusing on M&A and financial lines, gathering data over time in a structured manner so that we can actually feed the machine because you need a lot of data in order to provide intelligent insights that are actually of use to anybody. And it takes time. So we have a patient approach and we have a very structured manner in doing this. We've got a plan as to how we're executing this with the intention of bringing what we call the POP AI data intelligence platform to those same partners that we have, be it the insurers, the brokers, the advisors. And the so it's team. another string to your bow. Yeah. Presumably it's not just about ingesting the report and accounts the last three years were pretty quickly. There must be other data points presumably you're looking at as well. In M&A insurance, there are several data points in terms of the information that is shared on the transactions by the broker and by the advisors and the buyers and sellers, depending on whether it's a buyer side or seller side policy. So another string to your business, another revenue stream for your business might be to package some of those insights and then license them or sell them on to carriers. Yeah, so Hop has invested in Fusion as the global MGA doing M&A insurance and financial lines. We've invested in io.insure, which is the marketplace platform for M&A insurance and financial lines as well. And the third part of the business that Pop has also invested in, Pop AI, which is the data intelligence company. The data intelligence company, Pop AI, provides the back end for io.insure, the DevSecOps environment for io.insure, but it also has a data analytics platform that is being built over time based on the data that comes from Fusion and io.insure. So over time, that machine will get more intelligent and we'll be able to provide better insights to our partners, as I said, be they the insurers, the advisors or the brokers. So that in itself is also a platform that ultimately will be used by partners. 
So for brokers, it will be about providing better insights to their customers. For insurers, it will be about doing better underwriting based on data analytics. And then for the platform, it's also about building more automation into the platform, using data analytics to create a better workflow, a better customer experience in the platform. So learning all the time and continuously improving how we do things. Obviously, the main structure of the group businesses is as MGAs. Yeah. And of course, you know, the market ebbs and flows and appetites ebb and flow. And obviously, an MGA is potentially vulnerable to losing its paper at different yeah. times of the market. Would a long-term aim be to source some of your own capital to underwrite alongside your partners and give them more comfort? Certainly, it seems to have been a trend for some of the larger MGAs over the last three or four years particularly. Is that part of your locker as well? Looking at the market, how it's developing, it does seem that the insurers are, are focusing on being the providers of capital and managing their balance sheets accordingly. Looking at their core services, it really is about providing capital. In our case, we're a capital light business, and we believe that we dovetail very well with insurers as a result. Like Our focus is on building underwriting expertise enabled by data and technology and using that data and technology also to support partnership distribution. So we think we're better positioned as a fee-based business, working in tandem with our insurance partners. Where we would see a possibility of skin in the game in terms of having a vehicle to actually take risk, provide capacity on transactions, probably would be more as a reinsurer or a captive reinsurer or something like that, where we could have a retention on each transaction as opposed to a Lloyd syndicate, for example, or a standalone insurance company. It's interesting you're operating in a wider world. Certainly in the insurtech world, it would be anecdotal that certainly over the last 12 months that that market has hardened. It's become more difficult to obtain capital and the capital has become much more discerning and it's been much harder to access. Does it make life easier for you that capital has become harder to come by in general across the world? In terms of our M&A product, certainly the market has quietened relative to where it was in 2021, but 2021 was an anomaly in itself. We believe that the market will still grow ultimately this year and will continue to grow thereafter. There's still a long way to go in terms of the trajectory of growth of the M&A product. The availability of capital, there's still a lot of dry powder in terms of the PE funds. They seem to be moving down the chain in terms of smaller companies as well, which suits us because we're positioned in the SME and lower mid market space. That seems to be a trend happening. SME transactions also don't require debt. So we think that the SME market will continue to grow and be buoyant. From an M&A insurance perspective or underlying transaction perspective. We've had a much harder insurance market generally over the last three to four years as insurance has reset itself. The last renewal we've had, reinsurance doing the same and completely resetting itself. Are you feeling any cascading effects yet into insurance or are you expecting any to come through because of additional pressure at the top end of the value chain? Yeah, we've gone through a very successful renewal period. So all of our existing relationships renewed. They didn't cut the limits. You know, there were no changes really in the terms. And we also added quite a number of new insured relationships. So we now have quite a number of global relationships as well, which is a trend that we saw, at least in our case, in this period. We saw more disruption in M&A insurance two years ago. This was quite a good renewal period for us. And financial lines, we didn't see any issues either. I think what might be happening, yeah, there's some hardening of the market in casualty lines, but it's probably more in the property field that we've seen real hardening, real difficulties in the renewal period. 
And, and also, I think some of the carriers, the insurers and reinsurers are balancing their portfolios more and looking at the long tail business more to balance the So it the could short indeed be business. favorable, in fact. I mean, based on the experience we had, it was in a very positive renewal period. You sail on splendid isolation. Looks like that, yes. Somebody I always ask people who are entrepreneurs, started their own business, growing a business, got big ambitions. What sort of entrepreneur are you? Are you the sort who has the burning ambition to keep your name above the door, effectively, to grow that business forever and be the sort of business that you know you, you retire right at the end and you hand it on to your grandchildren? Or are you the sort of entrepreneur that loves to prove a concept loves a new idea and to prove that it works and then happy to pass it on to the next person. Then you can move on to the next idea at some point. Which one are you? We're a growth stage company. The company has a long way to go in terms of its uh, trajectory. We think we've laid very good foundations for a very successful future. We're already successful. And for us, it's really about executing our strategy day to day and having fun doing that, working with great people, building a global business and building a great business together. And what comes out at the end, we shall see. But it's not really about, let's do this quickly, pass it on and move on to something else. So you don't else. necessarily have an end goal in sight. I think it will take care of itself. You know, If we continue to build a great business today, we're building an even better business day to day over the coming years, and its future will take care of itself. You're in M&A Insurance, financial lines, any other adjacent lines that you might pencil in? if the right talent walk through the door or whatever? Possibly, yes. Back to the what I said earlier about specialty products, geographies. We're looking to expand as a global MGA, supported by Insure as a global insure tech company. So we look at geographies, we look at other specialty products. We look at where we can use data and technology to enable that product. We look at products where partnership distribution is, is most prevalent. So yeah, we're open to products beyond M&A and financial lines. There are other areas, like if you take the example of what we've done with SME M&A and created the first online product, we've also created the first IMI product, investment managers insurance product for small cap asset managers. So that's a new product we brought out as well. We're also looking at sustainable insurance. So we're building a CO, which is a sustainable M&A insurance online, which is an M&A insurance coverage for ESG compliant target companies. So that's a, another area which... Wow. So what, what's that targeting? That they do comply with their esg yeah. Yes. Yeah. That, they, yeah. that they can fulfill the promise that whatever they said to the buyer. Yeah, it seems like we've seen this in 2005 to 2008 before the financial crisis, 2007. There was quite a bit of growth in renewable energy and green finance. And then 2007 to nine happened and put pay to that. I think that whole area has evolved quite a bit. The governments are very supportive of it. The banking and investment communities are very supportive of it. And I think it's here to stay now. So what is the reaction going to be from the insurance sector? And there are a lot of insurers and brokers who are looking quite closely at, I think, more practices and policies in, in terms of how to be ESG compliant. But there's less work on new products that meet the needs of this growing ESG segment. There are buyers who are investing in ESG-compliant companies. The buyers and their advisors are doing some pretty serious due diligence on all aspects of those companies, including ESG, right? Yeah. So we believe that there is a direct correlation between companies that are ESG-compliant and good risks from an M&A insurance perspective, companies that are compliant from a governance perspective, from an environmental laws perspective, from a 
social aspects perspective as well. And also the pricing for such risks should be more competitive than a, a riskier business. So what we're doing is designing a product for transactions where a buyer is acquiring an ESG compliant target company. And again, it, it lends itself well for questionnaires and templates and based on the analysis that is done, the due diligence that is done in respect of ESG. So, you know, the information is there, the underwriter can analyze it, and we're in a position to provide a coverage which would be potentially better coverage than it would be for a non-ESG compliant company. That's really interesting. So it's insurance doing its job of really enabling a good company to get a good valuation and moving yeah. on in the same way that exactly. you know, not, the buyer doesn't have to be worried about its future tax liabilities and also be not worried about yeah. some of its value evaporating because it turned out it wasn't as ESG compliant as they thought it was going to be. Yeah, I mean, what we're doing in WNI underwriting, M&A insurance underwriting is assessing the quality and adequacy of the due diligence that is carried out in the case of a buyer side policy by their advisors. So in that sense, ESG is part of that due diligence that they are carrying out and becoming more and more important. And the financing of such transactions is coming from, I guess, what is a growing segment within the investment community in terms of the financing, sustainable finance, green finance, the financing of uh, ESG compliant projects and companies, right? I suppose over time, it's going to be the core of all valuations because everything is going to be ESG compliant. If yes, not, and it should be reflected, I believe, in, in underwriting as well. And yeah. So we think that lends itself very well for the design of a product using technology to deliver it for ESG compliant target companies. Well, it sounds like there's a huge amount of growth potential even within the existing businesses without adding any new modules or, or new MGAs? Yeah, I mean, it, new MGAs, back to your original question, I mean, we're interested in specialty lines, you know, lines like environmental, trade credit, structured credit, political risk, areas like that, surety. We don't see many MGAs who are doing surety, but again, it's back to real human expertise. You know, everything I've just mentioned, you've got underwriters who are specialists in those fields and Technology will be able to support some of those, but certainly data intelligence will. So it sounds like anywhere they've got this kind of core board level type risk and then where you feel you can add the data and some other capability to it, where you can give yourself some kind of competitive advantage, then you wouldn't rule anything out. We do have to be careful as well, because if you see what we're doing, we refer to it as MGA 2.0, right? So we're building, it's a global MGA. It's focused on where we can have real expertise. So we've got very highly qualified, highly experienced expert underwriters in M&A insurance and financial lines. We're enabling it by data and technology. So io.insure and pop.ai in itself, these are very specialist platforms. They're, as I said earlier, they're vertically built as opposed to horizontal. So they're complicated and challenging. And if we start trying to add more and more MGAs and different lines of business, we will take away from the focus that we have on these two core areas. So we are open to adding other specialty lines, but our core will always be M&A and financial lines would be following M&A. So with those, you've got plenty of potential as it goes anyway. Yeah. There's another growing phenomenon in our industry. There's a growing digitalization or digitization, depending on where you live, of SME insurance. So yeah. You know, there's an estimated $300 billion of SME insurance premiums around the world. Financial lines is $24 billion. We estimate M&A insurance to be just in the SME space. The total addressable market is about $12 billion. That's completely underserved. Depending on how busy the markets are, sometimes there is no availability in WNI insurance or reps and warranties insurance for small transactions. 
other times of the year there is more availability but it oscillates and yeah. so there's a risk protection gap in SME M&A insurance globally there's a big distribution opportunity that can be enabled by data and technology as well in that space traditionally distribution has been managed by absolutely great experts uh, M&A advisors in the broking houses they're very very good at what they do and what we're working on is partnering with them as well as the retail broking community with, within the brokers who are dealing with SMEs day to day and really to take our what we call MEO product, M&A insurance online product and use a broader distribution for those products because it's a simplified product. Yeah, It's easier for the retail brokers throughout the UK, throughout the US to understand the product and to deliver the product to their clients always with the advice of their core M&A teams. Yeah. So we think there's a, a broader distribution channel opportunity for M&A insurance to fill that risk protection gap in that SME segment. Well, Killian, sounds like you've got a huge amount to be getting on with. And I wish you all the best in 2023 and beyond. And thank you so much for coming on The Voice of Insurance. Yeah, thank you very much, Mark. I uh, really appreciate it. Privileged to have been invited on the show. I've been following it for quite a while now and I really enjoy the podcast. Well, thanks very much. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you did, don't forget to subscribe or leave a like or a review or recommendation on whatever podcast platform you used to access this program. These really help get the word out. Before we go, just a quick reminder that advertising slots are available here and in other places in the Voice of Insurance podcasts. Podcasting is the fastest growing medium and attracts a high quality audience of key decision makers. It's also an intimate medium where you, the listener, are right in the room with me and the interview subjects. Needless to say, that means it's a great way of getting your message out directly to an audience because you know you've got their full attention. It's also very cost-effective. So get in touch with Mark at thevoiceofinsurance.com to find out how you could be speaking directly to the industry. The Voice of Insurance podcast is produced in association with Advantage Go, enabling enterprise-scale underwriting through a single pane of glass. Voice of Insurance is produced by me, Mark Gagan. Music was written by Anna Gagan and produced by Carlos Gagan. Check out more podcasts and written comment pieces at www.thevoiceofinsurance.com.